Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program and community that helps women who have had their lives disrupted by trauma to reclaim their health and step into their power. At Empowered Rx, we believe in the transformative and healing power of fitness, nutrition, and mindset. We're here to give you actionable tips and resources that will help you get back on track and reach your goals. We are here to help you turn your struggles into strengths so that you can be so strong, so healthy, and so empowered. Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program that helps women who have had their lives disrupted by eating disorders to reclaim their health, step into their power, and find food freedom for life. Today I'm here with one of our warriors, Brooke Minardi, and she has been in recovery for one year. She has struggled tremendously for the first eight months, and in the past four months she has stepped into her power, has started lifting heavy weights, has started um, feeling more confident, and she's here to share her story, and we are so, so proud of her. Brooke, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Why don't you introduce yourself? Um, I'm Brooke Minardi. I am going to be 20 in July. I have been struggling with an eating disorder for a pretty long time, but ever since Empowered, it's gotten a whole lot better, so I'm so thankful for that. And yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we're so thankful to have you in our program. Um, Brooke serves as a leader and a role model to a lot of our younger girls. They, they say, I want to be like Brooke, because Brooke is super strong and just kind of um, outspoken and laughs a lot and, and, you know, lives life to the fullest, even though it's really, really hard. So we're going to have Brooke share her story, and I might stop her every now and then, either ask a question or just speak to maybe what's going on behind the scenes of some, some of the stuff she's saying. Um, but yeah, this is an amazing story of triumph and perseverance, and I'm so glad she's now feeling comfortable enough to share it. So Brooke, why don't you tell us, like, rewind to the beginning, how many years ago was the start of your eating disorder? What did that look like? Um, I would say between, it started between um, ages 9 through 13. I started to struggle with body image at a young age. I was, like, comparing myself to other girls. I played sports growing up. You So I think you and I played very similar sports. We played volleyball. So you played volleyball, gymnastics, you danced. Was there any, did you do anything else? I did softball. And softball. For a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so for our listeners, two thirds of the people in our program are either gymnasts, dancers, or volleyball players. And it's no coincidence. These are sports that have highly revealing uniforms and they have really strict, um, body uh, archetypes that are pushed by coaches who maybe aren't necessarily trained in nutrition, body image, or just in physiology in general, and so it can be a, quite a toxic environment. Yeah, I would compare myself a lot to the other girls in those specific sports. I like started to notice that my body maybe didn't look like my friends' bodies, and it was just a really toxic environment, and um, in gymnastics, we would wear leotards and like little booty shorts and then people would pull down their leotards so there was just like their sports bra so it was really hot but I was like I was ashamed of how I looked so I never did that but yeah it just really got to me and 
it made me so self-conscious and then as I got older I was introduced to social media and it just made it so much worse oh my goodness yeah social media tears our self-esteem and our self-worth apart especially because it shows you know so many influencers and ads that make life look peachy and happy and perfect all the time and really it doesn't show the real stuff and in addition to that you were experiencing feeling like an outsider in sports so outsider from social media messaging feeling like an outsider and not good enough in the sports you were playing what happened as a result of like all of this stuff definitely a lot of comparison just like you said like social media is not real like everyone poses to make their bodies look different than how they really are and I just thought I needed to look like everyone else I thought like I need to have like the perfect life the perfect body the perfect personality just perfect everything so so what Brooke is saying about perfect right is totally common um, there are three traits three main traits that make us more susceptible to getting eating disorders rather than just kind of having self-esteem issues or identity issues having actual diagnosable eating disorders is more likely not only if we have the genetics for it but if we are perfectionists if we are prone to anxiety and if we are prone to being like a type a person who needs structure yes exactly <laughs> i think i just described you perfectly uh brooke is very very hard on herself she is a beautiful woman inside and out she's super strong she is super charismatic, outgoing, kind, compassionate, and fun, and intelligent, and she gives herself zero credit. So it makes me so sad. Anytime I see her smile or like celebrate one of her wins, it makes me so, so happy. Um, but let's rewind to the first signs of disordered eating, because you were pretty immersed in diet culture, but then it kind of shifted. Yeah, um, I would say like junior through senior year of high school, I started to really want to lose weight and so I started restricting because I thought oh like if you need to lose weight like you don't eat like you exercise and that obviously didn't work for me um so before we continue I am just going to give a trigger warning because I am going to ask some more personal questions here from Brooke and so if you are triggered by talking about or hearing about like specifics of restriction we're not going to talk calories or anything but we are going to talk a little more about her experiences I'll just have you pause this episode here and maybe switch to a different episode um, but we like to talk about the real stuff because it's real life and it really impacts us so Brooke, tell me what restriction looked like what did that look like for you um for me like during the school day I wouldn't eat breakfast before going to school um, eat something very little at lunch and then I would go to volleyball practice then I would go home and not really eat anything and I would be so hungry at night and um, that's when I started to get into the cycle of restriction binging um, at night I would wait until everyone went to bed and I would sit in front of the TV and just like eat everything in sight because I was just so hungry and I really just felt out of control and then after I was done eating I would have this awful like shame and guilt and it would make me so upset. So the cycle of 
binging and restricting that Brooke is talking about is um, there's often like a negative stigma with it. So there's this hierarchy of eating disorders in our society where um, restriction is glorified and overeating is kind of uh, put down. And so shame is something that is a huge, huge uh, effect that comes from the cycle of binging and restricting. But what most people don't know is a starving body will do anything to maintain homeostasis and high functioning. And so binging is actually a defense mechanism for the starving body. And her body was trying to communicate to her that she needed food, but because of the shame, she never consistently fueled. Yes, and then I started to feel like I failed at an eating disorder because like so many other people could restrict and their bodies would change how I wanted my body to change and I couldn't do that so I felt like I didn't have like the willpower to like restrict so that like really made me upset so what Brooke is saying like I'm gonna get heated for a second because I'm very passionate about this, but only 7%, well, six to 7% of people who struggle with disordered eating are underweight. That is the fact. We hear about anorexia all the time. We don't hear about atypical anorexia. We don't hear about binging as much. We don't hear about any of the other kinds of eating disorders out there. We hear more about anorexia because it's glorified. We wanna be thin by society standards, but not too thin. And if we're too thin, it's still kind of something that society ends up idolizing in a way. And I absolutely hate it. I It pisses me off so much because it damages so many young um, men and women out there to think that that is a, a standard they need to reach. And it isn't very achievable. So when we think that it's a failure on our part, it actually it actually is our body's protective mechanism trying to make sure that we are safe. So I'm so glad that you pointed that out, Brooke, because a lot of people don't talk about it because of the stigma and um, it, you're right, it, it's demoralized. You know, Brooke is somebody who has struggled for years and that is our typical um, dream client. Not that we want to have people that are suffering, but we love to help people who have been struggling for years um, to find healing because we know it's possible and all of us coaches are survivors ourselves. I struggled for a decade plus and treatment programs are amazing and they're often very necessary to restore medical status, but they don't always help people with the other stuff, the residual anxiety and body image and how we relate to society. And so our program does just that. And we really pride ourselves in helping people who have been stuck for years. And Brooke, I mean, how long did this go on for? Like, yeah. Um, almost 10 years. And like, I really didn't notice that I was struggling for that long because I thought everything I was feeling was normal. And I thought like, Everyone else just felt like they hated their body, like just had issues with food. I thought that was normal because like society makes us think it's normal and it's not. And um, around like senior year, I started going to the gym and cause like a lot of my friends were doing it 
and they were starting like weight loss journeys and I wanted to do that too because my friends like loved going to the gym so I started did you love it no I hated it <laughs> um, I had no clue like what I was doing at the gym I didn't know how people thought this was fun or made them feel good like I just felt like I didn't belong there and the gym just made me realize like how much more I didn't like my body and I just had these like unrealistic high standards for myself when it came to like the gym and eating like I thought I needed to go for like over an hour every day I thought I needed to burn it I thought I needed to burn X amount of calories and same with eating like I didn't think going to the gym was worth it unless I was eating like super clean but I didn't know anything about nutrition so yeah diet culture <laughs> sucks man diet culture is awful you guys there the same thing happened to me I was relying on like women's magazines to tell me how to be healthy and I was also running every day and going to the gym for hours we are not educating our youth on how to have a healthy relationship with our body or exercise or food and that's something that systemically needs to change until it does our mission is to step in intervene and try to help people truly learn about their body and to develop good relationships because this is something that if we don't address it's going to persist for life and the sad reality is only 22% of people with eating disorders will ever fully go on to recover, which is a devastating statistic. But I think it speaks to um, flaws in the medical system and flaws in society. And, you know, Brooke, you know, was doing what she thought was right and normal. And that's what's so sad is that diet culture was so normalized that most people are immersed in it. And I know that that was a couple of years ago and then quarantine happened. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, quarantine happened in the middle of my senior year um, in March, and at first I didn't really think it was serious, but then like they started shutting down everything, like including gyms, mm -hmm. and that felt like the end of the world to me, because I tried to work out at home before I had a gym membership, and I hated it. Um, I was never consistent. I, I cannot even imagine. So when I was struggling and addicted to the gym and exercise, it was an addiction. It was like my drug. If quarantine had happened when I was sick, actively sick, I think I would have lost my shit. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. did, did I, I would have been anxious, depressed. Mm -hmm. Did any of that happen? Yeah, I definitely, like, started to have a lot of anxiety, depression, um... Um, but Did you restrict more because you couldn't go to the gym? Oh yeah, 100%. Um, I really, really tried to eat super healthy because I was go wasn't going to the gym. And I would try to like work out downstairs for like such a long time, like in my basement. And You hate every second. Oh yeah. And then um, like the Chloe Ting workouts came out during quarantine. It was like YouTube videos that like we're supposed to make you lose weight like so fast and I did those. Let's just pause and dispel that myth because mm -hmm. I think our listeners, if they are following any weight loss videos or have any promises, anybody that promises rapid weight loss, guys, they might be able to help you achieve that 
It doesn't mean it's healthy, sustainable, or appropriate for your life. And so any results that are quick, once you stop doing that program, you're likely to gain the weight back and more. And then the binge and restrict cycle gets even worse. No, yeah, definitely. Um, I did lose some weight over quarantine. I was so excited. And, of course, like, I gained it back. And I started really to become, like, obsessed with weighing myself. I would weigh myself, like, every morning, put it down in my notes. And I would take, like, videos for, like, um, like progress videos, like, every month. Is that when you, like, kind of like a progress photo, you a video of you, like, turning around and yeah, seeing like, your body? I would hold my arms out, like, and just, like, slowly spin around, like, in a sports bra and shorts. Okay. And I would, like, look at them and compare each month. And... That's, you know, one of the things I hate about before and after photos is that they just induce shame. Because if you can't get better results, whatever better means, better in parentheses, I'm doing air quotes here, um, we feel shame. Then if we actually maintain it, we feel shame about our past body and we never want to get to that again. And then if we can't maintain it, we shame ourselves because we lost it. So you must have just been in a constant cycle of putting yourself down. Yeah, um... I was super upset when, like, I didn't see any progress between, like, a first month and a different month. And would you have, like, um, would you put yourself down? What were the kinds of things you would say to yourself? Um, I would tell myself, like, I'm not beautiful because I'm not skinny. Like, I thought I was so overweight. Um, I really had this goal for quarantine to have, like, this huge glow up like when I came out of quarantine like I wanted everyone to be like oh my god like Brooke lost so much weight like she looks so good and guys a glow up if you're not familiar with it because I know we have people of all different ages and let's be real that's a term that is current not necessarily from 10 years ago so glow up is a transformation period in your life and you're glowing you're owning your life you're powerful you're your ideal self um, society has labeled glow up to really consist of changes in body or career or making money um, or becoming more beautiful and so it's another toxic way to basically punish yourself like I said like quarantine happened in the beginning of my senior year so um, I really wanted to live at school and I like begged my parents to but my first semester I didn't because it really wasn't really worth it because of COVID, but spring semester my freshman year came around and my parents let me live at college and I was so excited, but it actually was like my worst nightmare because um, I was surrounded by food 24 seven and I really didn't feel like I was in control of myself around food. Like I felt like food controlled me and so my eating disorder kind of just like spiraled and I was going to bed super late like three or four in the morning was sleeping until like noon was skipping breakfast and lunch barely going to the dining hall um 
I think I had like 150 dining swipes, and I only used like 30 of them, maybe. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I was trying everything I could do to lose weight, but it was really hard for me to stay on track because there was a ton of diet culture talk, like body shaming talk. Just clearly a lot of people who were also struggling with eating and their body. And I really hated being at school. I went home like three to four times a week. Oh, wow. And I didn't feel 100% at home, but I just felt a lot better than I did at school. And I was really depressed. Um, I remember I would leave parties to like go back to my room alone and like binge and I just wasn't happy at all and I finally was like I can't do this um so I moved back home when the semester was over and like a couple weeks after started going to the gym again and one day like I just like broke down and I was like, I finally like need to talk to my mom. So I did. And was that hard? Yeah, it was super hard. Like I think I sat there for like 20 minutes in silence, just like crying. Oh. <laughs> but um, because I was like afraid to like say what I need to say. Why were you afraid? Because I just I really struggled with um not feeling like I was worthy of like getting help mm. and because I wasn't ever able to fulfill like the anorexia like dream I had I just thought like oh like other women and men have it like so much worse than me and like they deserve this more than I do mm. so so the sick enough track yeah. So the sick enough trap, guys, is one of the um, most toxic medical contradictions out there. We actually see that people will get turned down for help or certain levels of care because they are not quote unquote sick enough. Their heart rates aren't low, their vitals are normal, um, and this, this is a toxic issue and it permeates into diet culture as well. Um, and diet culture permeates into the medical world. It's, it's just a disaster. So. Yeah, the sick enough trap is dangerous. Yeah, it's it's really hard. And um, I told my mom, and then I talked to my doctor, and I started meeting with a therapist and a nutritionist, and I was introduced to maybe getting on, like, medication to help with, like, anxiety, depression, like, obsessive thoughts about food. But I was really hesitant because I... I was never really, like, introduced to, like, antidepressants growing up, so I was like, oh, like, I don't want, like, a medication to make me better. Like, I want to be better on my own. Mm -hmm. And, um... That's common. And the thing is, though, sometimes that medication just helps stabilize our, our brain so that we can then do the healing work on our own. Yeah, definitely. Um, I... I had a bad experience with a therapist and my nutritionist. And what I, happened? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to cut you off. I just want to know. No, it's okay. Um, so we met for the first time on Zoom and we just like got to know each other. I told her what I was struggling with. And then the second time we met, we came on the Zoom and she was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't meet today. I have an emergency. 
I was like, oh, that's fine. And she said, um, I overate the other day and it made me think you. And I was like, oh, like, this is how Brooke must feel. Uh, was she trained in eating disorders? I thought I was recommended her. Okay. So I thought, and that made me wicked upset. And I bet. Yeah, I immediately stopped seeing her. And um, I met with my nutritionist for about eight or nine months. Really didn't make any progress. Why? Um, I would say because we kind of talked about the same stuff every week and we mm-hmm. weren't really trying new things and we weren't meeting. We met like once every two weeks, which just wasn't enough for me. Oftentimes, we know what foods we need to be eating and we know what we need to do, but it's the accountability and the behavior change and the rewiring of our brain that needs to happen, and bi-weekly, like every two weeks, simply isn't enough for that change and um, behavior change to happen, so that makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, and I started meeting with another therapist. Um, I started medication. Um, I was on Prozac and I was on it for quite a while and I really didn't see any like difference or results. And I met with my therapist for I want to say five months and like in December she kind of just was like oh like I feel like we haven't really been making enough progress like I feel like there should be more relief by now and we were also meeting bi-weekly mm-hmm. which is not what I wanted mm-hmm. and that also like really hurt me like I felt like I was the problem like I was uh. I felt like I could never be like fixed mm. so um eating disorders you guys are are something that is actually a niche and many therapists and doctors despite how excellent they are as professionals they just might not be trained thoroughly in disordered eating and it can actually harm the patient or the client more so if you haven't found a doctor yet and you're looking or you're seeking dietitians and therapists like make sure they're trained in disordered eating I'm still currently looking for a therapist and I'm really trying to make sure that it's the right fit for me And it's also really hard to find a therapist right now because, like, ever since, like, quarantine, there's been a huge spike in, like, depression, anxiety, all that. Mm -hmm. And, um, in about, I would say February, I was introduced to Empowered by, um, Dr. Powell. We love her. She's the best. Yeah, she's the best. Um, she just, like, gave me the business card. She didn't really explain it too much. She wanted me to, like, look it up on my own. And I was kind of just, like, eh. I just, like, put the card, like, on my table at home. Didn't really do anything about it. And I, like, talked to my nutritionist about it. She was like, oh, like, what is it? And I was like, I don't really know. Like, I couldn't tell you. (laughs) Um, but I set up a like zoom call with Leah and 
I wanted her to tell me more about it. And I don't know, I was just really shocked that this kind of like program exists. Like I've never heard of anything like it. And it just like seemed like everything I needed. And I should probably tell people what we do. Yeah. <laughs> so Empowered RX guys is a mentorship program, community, and course that helps women um, who are struggling with disorienting to take their power back, but we do it in a holistic way and we have daily engagement. So we have um, like eight different classes a week that people can take. Some are weightlifting, some are nutrition focused, some are body image and empowerment focused. We then have a community chat and group for 24 seven support. And then we also do recovery coaching that works on body image, uh, coping mechanisms, rebalancing the nervous system. So we, we basically just are there to be your guide and provide a roadmap and a light forward in recovery so that you can recover faster. Yeah, and it's done just that. Um, I joined right away. And at first, I still struggled with um, the sick enough stigma. Um, I was really worried, like, all the other girls were going to be, like, ahead of me. And... I just, like, started to feel like I wasn't worthy of being there, which is, like, typical of, like, an eating disorder thought. Mm-hmm. And I started to weight lift, and I was, like, really nervous because I've never liked exercising or, like, going to the gym, but it was so different from, like, what I was doing, and I, like, immediately fell in love with it, like... And crushed it. Yeah. She learned how to clean and jerk on a Thursday and then was like, yeah, I'll show up to your weightlifting competition on Saturday. She freaking did clean and jerk 90 pounds over her head. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I um, I found out I was a lot stronger than I actually thought I was. Yeah. And I've just, like, made so much progress. Um, I am meeting with Leah as a nutritionist now, and I've made huge strides. Um and I think we've been meeting for like two months, I think. Yeah. And I'm eating three meals a day. I am enjoying exercising as something that makes me feel good. I'm not using it to punish myself. Um, you haven't binged either. No, yeah. Um, I really stopped binging. And I don't really have any shame around eating at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, I still have bad days, but that's so normal. Yeah. And um, I'm still working on body image because that's been a huge struggle for me. Yeah, and so Brooke, Brooke is just a rock star. She has just completely gone all in, trusted the process. At first she didn't, um, but we held her accountable. We gave her some tough love. But, yeah, she's been in our program only for a few months, and, like, after years of trying to heal – She's been able to do it, and I really think it's the community environment, the weightlifting, coming from a place of empowerment rather than you are broken, which is what a lot of medical treatment is, is trying to fix medical problems. And so coming at it from a place of let's just like lift heavy shit and be our best selves is a little bit more empowering. And uh, the body image stuff that Brooke was talking about is so long-lasting that it might take years to heal that part and people don't say that they say it's gonna go away once you start eating normally again that's a bunch of bullshit I am 10 years into recovery and I still have 
super bad body image days. And so what Brooke was saying was basically her nutrition leveled out, her binging, restricting, her behavior stopped. Um, those things happen quickly. The body image stuff is going to take time. Yeah, and it sucks to hear that, but I'd rather be told, like, the truth than what other people have told me. Like, oh, like, if you stop binging, like, you won't have these body image issues. And, like, so... What does happen when we start to heal? We stop using behaviors. We maybe stop um, putting ourselves down as much, even though we're having thoughts. When we start to separate ourselves from the eating disorder and realize that it's not a source of shame, that's when the healing truly begins emotionally. And that can be really, really hard because things that we actually had so much shame about, we bury. And we bury them deep and we don't talk about them. And uh, Empowered, we dig that shit up, like, quickly, because we know that there's shame there, and once that seed of shame is planted, every little thing starts to cause us shame. And so there's a few things, Brooke, that I know you, it took a while for you to talk about, um, but once you kind of healed a little more, it, it came up. Why don't you share with us about those deeper thoughts? Yeah, um, um, I started to have like strong thoughts about purging mm -hmm. um and that was tied into like feeling like I failed at like restricting and I thought like oh like if restriction's not working like I know purging will and I know it works fast and that like was just what I wanted but I never ended up doing it because so you for that. um I know that like it can get to a really bad habit and it's just so bad for your body and I'm glad I never did it um, the biggest thing that I really like uncovered and like had to process was um, a like emotionally abusive relationship with an older male um, it just so happened to start when all of these body image stuff starting to happen. So between the ages of, I would say like 13, mm -hmm. it started. And there was like this really like hot and cold behavior. And it went on for a really long time. And How long? I would say it was really off and on until I think the last time it happened was my junior year of high school. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it really made me feel bad about myself. I thought I wasn't good enough to make this person like want me because of that hot and cold behavior. And like it really just played a role in my body image issues. It's that makes breaks my heart. And I know that you know, we have different stories, but there's a lot of similarities in the emotional stuff that we've gone through. Um, but yeah, Brooke's spiral, you know, continued to, she continued to spiral more and more each year. And the longer she was in this abusive relationship, the longer she was, you know, hating herself. And it's no coincidence when we are with somebody who doesn't show us value. If our self-confidence or sense of self isn't strong enough, we end up, you know, seeing what the other person claims to see that we are not good enough and we believe it. Yeah, um, thankfully I 
it doesn't happen anymore. Like, I stopped engaging in it. Um, I really started to, like, prioritize, like, myself and my self-worth. And... Guys, this, this couldn't come up until she did the healing work. Like, she was numb to it. Yeah, like, I didn't even realize like how bad it actually was um and I didn't I didn't think it like played a role in like my eating disorder like I thought it was just like something I wanted like I thought I I wanted it to happen because like I liked him and I thought like he loved me like he told me he loved me like totally brainwashed me so it was really like a big moment to unravel that and just like come to reality with it that this was like a huge like it's trauma yeah yeah you were surprised to find out that would be considered trauma yeah yeah it was eye-opening so yeah we deal with a lot of secondary traumas guys because or they're actually the primary trauma that causes the eating disorder sometimes or contributes to it trauma Eating, an eating disorder is trauma in and of itself, but there's a lot of other traumas that some of our members deal with. So we are trauma-informed. We work through that stuff as well. And uh, yeah, Brooke's emotions just kind of started coming up, bubbling to the surface once she started healing and, and nourishing her body. And so the fact that she's here and standing and she's strong and she is healing, like she's been through a lot. And I just hope you know that having an eating disorder is not a mark of shame if anything you are so resilient and I hope you know how awesome you are thank you that means a lot to me yeah we are just so proud of Brooke and I know she's only been with us for a few months so imagine if she sticks with our program for the rest of the year she is in our accelerator course and is you know reclaiming her life and her health and once we get that down and get the foundations in She'll be in our mastery course and then our fitness and nutrition for life course, which is basically she'll be doing CrossFit and kicking ass and taking names and hopefully living her best life. So Brooke, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Yes. Have an amazing day, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, yeah, look back next week for another episode. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empowered Rx. If you want to find us for more information or to understand more about our services, you can find us on Instagram at Empowered Rx, or you can join our free Facebook community filled with women who are all trying to get healthy and happy. To find that community, simply go to Facebook and search for the Empowered Rx community. Have a great day, you guys, and stay well.